Fantastic noise. Fantastic noise. Fantastic noise. Fantastic noise. Fantastic noise. A podcast about making radio from the University of Bedfordshire. Hello, I'm Terry Lee. This is Fantastic Noise. Thanks without end for your time, and thanks again for your ears. Naturally, I hang around some enthusiastic radio people. Some are eager makers of radio. Some love the technical side of things. Lots love to listen and debate about radio issues. One question that is brought up time and time again is about the definition of what it is that unites us. What is radio now, anyway? That is the theme of this episode, and to assist me in the studio, I'm joined by a recent journalism graduate from the University of Bedfordshire, Jack Wilson. Jack has also recently spent a year as the student manager of the university's community radio station, Radio Lab 97.1 FM. Hello, Jack. Hello, Terry, and our listeners out there. <laughs> Jack, after an intensive year where you've spent so much of your time in the radio studios, haven't you had enough? How on earth have I persuaded you to record this with me today as well? Well, you've given me a load of money, which obviously always helps. <laughs> but I love radio so much, and that's why I'm here. And I love this station to bits. Yeah, to clarify, there, there is no money. I wish I had lots of money to so give do I. people. <laughs> I wish I had lots of money. <laughs> well, coming up in today's podcast, we're going to hear from Matt Deverson, who is Managing Editor of Radio X, Heart TV and Capital TV. We will also get the views from radio futurologist James Cridland and my Bedfordshire-based colleague Dr Janie Gordon. Later we shall be analysing some radio jargon with the radio word of the week and making our weekly visit to Dr Laurie Hallett's radio surgery. But first, Ernest Hemingway once said, when people talk, listen completely. Most people never listen. Thankfully, Lots of you do listen to radio and podcasts. Here is what some people have been enjoying listening to recently. What are you listening to? Hi, my name is Laura. I'm a student voice manager here at Beds SU. Um, I'm 30-something years old. um, And I'm currently listening to Blinkist. Uh, Now, this is an app that provides 15-minute snippets of non-fiction books and articles and theory. Um, It's fantastic for somebody who's really busy and and wants to crowbar some reflective thinking time into their life. Um, Thoroughly recommend it. Hello, my name is Forrest. I'm 35 years old and... I live in Norwich. The podcasts and radio that I really enjoyed listening to are Hollywood Babylon by Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman. And also recently I've been listening to G.F. Newman's The Corrupted on Radio 4, which has been a great piece of drama. But I also like to listen to Radio 4's comedy half hour at half past six during the week great radio. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm a 42-year-old learning and development manager living in Bedfordshire. Uh, For my commute to work, I'm an avid Radio 1 listener. The music suits my style. I love the fact that the chat is not too serious, um, especially early in the morning. However, when I'm at home, I do tend to use Spotify and don't listen to the radio very much at all. And I think it's because I can pick the music to choose my situation. A really loud soundtrack while doing the hoovering and cleaning the bathrooms Uh, goes down really well. Do contact us and tell us about something you've been enjoying listening to. I'd love to include your voice in a future podcast. Fantastic noise at beds.ac.uk 
Jack, there we heard from three people. At the end there, it was Rachel, who is 42, saying Radio 1 was for her, although she preferred Spotify on whilst doing her household chores. What are you enjoying listening to at the moment? Well, oddly enough, even though she was in her 40s and I'm only in my 20s, I listen to Radio 2, which it should be for the 40-plus audience. Yeah. But for me, people always ask why I listen to it, but it's, it's, it's for me, cause one, I prefer the type of music. Anyone who knows my shows or listens to my shows will know that I prefer you know, Led Zeppelin, Bob Dylan, David Bowie, to the likes of Amory or Little Mix. Mm. So their type of music always sort of suits me. And also I've always listened to it. My mum's played it throughout my whole life, so I've always listened to it. So I've always listened to Steve Wright. I listen to Steve Wright. I just try to listen to him every other day. It's, if I had to be radio DJ, I want to be like Steve Wright. Tell, tell me what it is about Steve Wright you enjoy. He, to me, for me, he's the ultimate... Like sort of cheesy DJ. When I when I think of radio, good radio, I always think of cheesy. It's a bit naff, but it has a charm to it. It's almost like the David Bowie and Mick Jagger song "Dancing in the Street." It's <laughs> it's cheesy, it's cheap, but there's a charm to it, there's a beauty to it, and that's what I want to be like. Because I don't know with, with Steve, I feel as if he's my friend. He's he's in the house with me. We're just two guys having a laugh. That's what I like. That's fascinating, and uh, you don't even get put off by the fake applause that greets and ends no. every guest he has. No, because I love it because it's so <laughs> cheesy, it's so naff. That's that's the beauty of it. It's, it's like it's not some Radio Four show or BBC Six. It's cheesy, it's naff, it's corny, and that's all the beauty of it. But at the same time, I like Jeremy Vine, which is almost the opposite. He's very sort of serious, has a bit of jokes sometimes, but again, it's good content. So it's a good balance between the two. I like to share something I'm listening to as well. Uh, This week, I'm going to mention a podcast that I finished listening to actually a while ago, but I've been thinking about it ever since. It's called S-Town. It's made by the people who created Serial, This American Life. Uh, S-Town is hosted by Brian Reed and is sort of an investigative journalism piece, uh, but ultimately focuses on the life of a man named John B. McLemore from Woodstock, Alabama. It's just unpredictable storytelling. It's got great music. It's compelling. Jack... Have you ever listened to podcasts in in sort of a a meaningful, on-purpose way? Years ago, I used to listen to uh, some podcasts on my YouTube channel that I'd watch called Funhouse. They played video games and they'd discuss movies and stuff. I sort of listened to that and I'd always listen to that when I was walking my dog. But I always found them... I don't know, I I, I couldn't keep engaged with them. Hmm. Maybe it's because they were talking for too long and I've listened to radio where you talk at most about two minutes and you have music to Mm -hmm. break it up. Podcasts for me... I don't know. I, I I sometimes drift off. I'm, it could be the content, and I probably should give them another another try. Well, you know, you don't you don't have to. It's it's just it's just interesting to get different perspectives from people. You like by the sounds of things that music radio, which is one of the reasons you like radio too, because you're never that far away from a song. You yeah, know. and I think I think it probably depends a lot on the content. Like if there was something about Formula One, mm. I'd probably listen to that. But I have tried to listen to them on YouTube, and I just drift off. I think it's because it's a lot of talking. I'm like, okay. I'm getting tired here. Maybe it's because I've watched a lot of YouTube, which is very quickly edited and sort of short. So perhaps that could be the content. Maybe it's just my age and I'm not having got the attention span to last an hour long of just listening <laughs> to someone talk. But I do like music because it sort of just breaks it up and it just lifts it up a bit. Back to the focus of this episode. What is radio now anyway? Matt Deverson is the managing editor of Radio X, Heart TV and Capital TV at Global in Leicester Square. I thought this job responsibility combo was intriguing, so I started by asking Matt if the radio stations benefit from having TV channels or if it's the other way around. 
I think the first thing to point out is that my, my two roles don't overlap in any way. I was heading up the TV channels first and then and then the Radio X job came up. Um, and it was a decision taken that I was to, to carry on doing both, which is a, a privilege, you know, which is nice to be thought of in such a way. I think that the, the best way to look at TV channels essentially is they are a marketing um, platform for for Capital and, and Heart. So I mean, if you look at Capital and Heart as brands, but there's two ways to look at it. Then mm. they are they're marketing. If people are watching music television, then they then they know and understand what Capital and Heart is by looking at them and then they and then you go, well, you know, if you're taking in this brand, you're watching this music, you know the sort of music we play, then it means that you consume the radio station. The other side of it is is looking at Capital and Heart and other and all radio stations as brands rather than as radio stations. If you have a consumer who is consuming the Capital brand, then we would hope that they would consume the radio station, they would consume the TV channel, they would consume the website, they would follow the brand on Instagram, on you know, on all social media, and they and and it becomes part of their world like that. So rather than looking at it as a as a kind of kind of each kind of medium as separate entities, that they're, they're not. They are they are a brand, and you consume the whole thing. They know and they trust what the capital brand does for them. On Radio X, for example, although there isn't a TV channel, you know, we're very very proud of what we do on social media and uh, just smashed a load of records and our, our digital platforms are part of a brand that we are building rather than an aside or a different version of the radio station. Oh, that, that's interesting. You, you mentioned Radio X and, and smashing records. What sort of records are Radio X smashing with social media? So in 2015, when the Radio X brand was launched, one of the main objectives was to, was to beat NME uh, on Facebook for Facebook follows. At the time... Radio X, well, the, you know, which carried on from the XFM Facebook account, had 200,000 followers. Um, NME had 700,000. So just short of three years later, no, you know, not even three years later, Radio X is looking at 900,000 followers. So you know, we're looking at the million. That's, that's the next target. But 900, just short of 900,000, whilst um, NME is on 850. And that's in three, you know, just under just three years. And in terms of, I mean, that's a lot of growth for a brand. Um, and we see huge amounts of engagement. And you, if you look at the stats, which are readily available to see, if you look at the stats um, for engagement with the brand of Radio X compared to its nearest competitors, Six Music, Absolute, it, it goes far and above what they're doing. I mean, we're talking millions while they're talking hundreds of thousands. 2.5 million engagement across a year, whereas, you know, I could compare to 100,000. I mean, it, it, it's a massive, massive difference. And I think that's testament to, to a brand and, and consistency um, of message and, and content, as opposed to something like NME. And this is uh, someone, this, you know, I'm not, I'm speaking from a reserver of, of, and someone who's kind of seeing what's going on there. But in their change in their, what the magazine are doing and they're changing what, um, what the magazine's gone now, but they're changing what they were doing, changing what they're doing on the website in terms of broadening what they offer, moving into the pop world. I'm not sure that's worked for them necessarily. Keeping on the theme of social media, Global have invested a lot into their radio studios in, in terms of how they look. I have seen a lot of some of these studios on my social media feeds. Are radio stations like Radio X using futuristic style radio studios to impress social media users? And, and, and is it working? Impress social media users? 
I guess that's that's right, but I think it's more about making sure that the product that, that a social media user sees is slick, looks looks smart and professional, and looks because radio, you, you'll know, is as inherently been kind of cobbled together and put together and done at the very last minute. And radio studios were not very exciting places because it didn't matter what it looked like. I think that now social media means that you know people want to see. Everything I want to want to have everything in front of them. That I think, especially when it comes to radio, especially when you've got big personality radio as well. Um, I think it's important that the product that they are seeing looks good. Mm. So, in that sense, yes, is is to impress social media users. I personally don't think that anyone's gonna gonna share a video or comment on a video because or engage with a video because it looks good. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to say, Terry, come look at this video. Look how nice this studio looks. No, we like radio, but I don't think we like it that much. <laughs> um, these things look good to, to, yeah, to impress social media audiences, but it's to, it's to make sure that it's got a professional, it's got a slick outlook. Sure. Interestingly, with, with, with the studios, all, all of the studios at Global, you know, have been done up and are constantly being kind of evolved and, and, and improved upon. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a real privilege to have those studios um, and, and work in them it's funny how quickly audiences get used to a studio looking like that mm. and uh, and 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 how videos within the studios we've seen on radio x they start to tire a little bit audiences start to tire them it's like well yeah i know what the studio looks like you know it's not you know consciously audiences i don't think are going that's a nice studio they just go that looks slick. Um, you know, it looks it looks like a TV program. Great. So more and more, actually, with Radio X, we look to take stuff outside of the studio with the same slick and professionalism that you'd expect from inside the studio. But you know, it needs to look different as well. Yes, and and I have seen posts over over the, the last few months of uh, things going on in in Leicester Square outside, yeah. uh, funny events, and Chris Moyles riding a, a like a rocking horse thing, <laughs> and you you are drawn to that, I guess, because it's not in the studio yet. It, Exactly, it features the people that you're used to seeing in the studio environment. There's only so so much a caption can explain about why you need to click on this content and watch the video. Whereas if you see Chris Mars riding a rocking horse on the street, your brain is already telling you this is different and this is something you might want to look at. Rather than if you see a radio presenter in a radio studio, you have to work that a little bit harder to go to the next level and decide whether you're going to watch it or not. Radio X are also doing a good job out of making podcast content from programmes. Last year, Russell Brand's Sunday afternoon programme made for a, a popular podcast, and whilst Ellis James and John Robbins' content from the station has helped this man uh, learn what a humble brag is. So how important is it for radio stations to utilise podcasting as a medium? I think everyone is still trying to figure out what what podcasts can actually do in the in the UK. It was stat for you, Terry. Uh, only 11% of the um, UK population actually listens to podcasts. 11%. Is that more or less than you'd expected? When I when I first saw that stat, I thought that was a little less than I expected, to be honest. Yeah, and in in, in the US, it's much much bigger, and I, I think the different markets. I think the US is obviously a, uh, a much bigger territory. The, their radio uh, works very very differently. It's like I was saying about the TV channels at the start. It's like a, it's it's a marketing tool. It's a branding tool. It's if you're going to consume a podcast, then the best thing a radio station can hope for is that it is a Radio X branded podcast it's a funny thing because radio station have been doing podcasts 
for, uh, since I started 11, 12 years ago. They've been in podcasts, but how many people have actually listened to those? I don't know. I think people have got better at turning radio shows into podcasts. They do a little bit of extra content. I think people are still trying to work out, though, how to make it how to make it better. The, the Ellis James and John Robbins thing is a funny one because they obviously, the, the way they took, they market themselves as a show is as much a podcast as a radio show. Most other radio shows is radio show first and then podcast after. Mm. I think people are still trying to get to grips with it. I think people are still trying to work out what to do. I think soon we'll start seeing radio stations put out podcasts, series of podcasts that don't feature on the radio at all, but they're branded, so there, there might be not there might not be space for them in the radio programming week because there are only so many hours in a week but so that's where you know there's a life for podcasts and branded podcasts elsewhere it's like youtube right so everyone can go up and do a youtube channel anyone go up and put a podcast up so what's the niche what why are people going to listen i think what and what radio stations can do they have readily available big big name talent they have uh, facilities and they have the ability to turn around so so many podcasts that out of 10 one will bring in the numbers Matt, the the focus of of this particular episode is about what radio is now. If I'm watching radio on on Facebook, do you think that's still radio? If I listen to Ellis and John content on my phone two months after it was Radio X, am I still listening to radio? I I guess you've kind of answered the question in that what these things are are a marketing tool for for the radio brand. Are we still calling it radio when when people Mm. are watching stuff on Facebook? Uh, yes. Okay. So let's let 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 let's call radio itself as a medium a brand. Yeah. And that that will be my answer, I think. So, Radio X, Capital, Heart, like I said already, uh, they're all brands. And I think that when you're consuming them in the different formats, whether that be television, that be social media, website, or the radio itself, I think you're consuming the brand. It's a radio. It, at its heart, it is a radio brand. That, that's what it is. I think what radio is doing is taking the opportunity to to put its fingers in different pies. But I think if you're if you're watching a video on your Facebook, you are still consuming a radio brand. That you know that is the master brand, if you like. So I think yeah, I think you're still consuming radio. I think that's what it is. I think what, what radio is doing very well is is using other facilities that are available to it. I mean, television kind of does to an extent, but I don't know if it does it as well because you, you're already bombarded by images and. Um, as well as the audio what's the what's the next exciting thing for for radio stations be it radio x or or any other global brand or or even just radio in general what's the next big thing exciting thing things like alexa uh the amazon echo Mm. um i think is uh, a welcome technological advance for radio i think it's making audio relevant and important again in people's lives um, and I don't think we can underestimate the impact this could have on, on radio and podcasting and, and, and similar mediums. As this technology is beginning to grow and beginning to go into people's um, homes, and we're seeing already like, a massive increase in, in, in listening from Alexa, for example. I, th- I think that is the next exciting thing. I don't know which way it will grow. I don't know, I don't know how it will change the way that programming is put together. And it's something that I don't know, every kind of radio company at the moment is, is looking at very closely and very intently. But I think, you know, that kind of listening is, is vital. I think it's, it's making audio exciting again. It's making people remember that actually they quite like the intimacy of someone being in their kitchen while they do the washing up and talking directly to them rather than having the telly on and a program being done in, in front of them and for them. 
it's not the same. It's not the same as someone, you know, sharing the intimacy of, of audio. Matt, before I let you go, what are you enjoying listening to at the moment? Are there uh, any presenters or programs or podcasts or, or things that you're recommending to people? First of all, I, I find listening to stuff sometimes a bit of a busman's holiday. <laughs> yep. so I'm always kind of working when I'm listening to it. And when I'm listening to stuff, I tend to listen to Radio X stuff. So let's give that a plug while I'm here. Danny Wallace's podcast is very, very good. It's very clever. He does a very good job of doing the radio club thing. Um, you should definitely um, listen to it if you haven't already. I like a bit. I like a bit of talk radio because that doesn't feel like so much. You know, because I work in music radio, sometimes you need a bit of a break. Very much like this to Five Live. Their, uh, their, their, their their take on stuff I find interesting. I like the opinions that come out of that. I mean, James O'Brien on LBC is an absolute genius and is essential listening, especially after kind of some kind of major story is broken in politics. Just to hear him getting as exasperated with the world and with callers is, <laughs> is, is brilliant. And I think he, you know, for, for uh, certain people in certain industries and certain uh, walks of life, I think he definitely is a breath of fresh air. He is genius and you should definitely check him out. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for, you know, if you are a music fan, Song Exploder is quite good if you can get around the American whispering style at the start of that um then that is interesting. It's like 15 minutes, which is kind of a good, a good podcast length, if you ask me, of an artist kind of talking about the story behind their, one of their biggest songs. So Peter, Bjorn and John doing Young Folks, mm. for example. MGMT talking about Time to Pretend. 15 minutes of them talking about the song. It's perfect. So, Jack, listening to Matt, he's talking a lot about consuming radio brands through the various platforms, be it TV, social media, branded podcasts, or through the radio station output itself. Did listening to Matt speak help you working out what radio now is? It's interesting what he was saying. So like he was saying you know, like that a brand, so capital is a brand, and you trust the brand. And with that trust, you keep listening to it more often. And if you trust that brand, you'll consume other types or the avenues of that brand. So if you listen to the radio show, you go, mm, you know what? If you see on their Facebook feed, huh, I might watch this video or watch this because I trust it's going to be good or it's going to appeal to me. So I guess that's an interesting angle. Like with Radio Lab, since Community Station, it's different. There's not here brand here because each show caters to a different audience. But with Capital, I guess you could say all the shows cater towards that brand and giving li- listeners a good product. Yeah, that brand consistency that Matt, Matt Deverson's talking about. One thing that I also picked up on <laughs> from the conversation was was to do with the appearance of the studio, and and, and I'm fascinated by this. And and he he made a joke about how you know we like radio, but not that much. We're not going to share pictures of the studio. But the thing is, I actually do share the pictures of the studio with the um with the students I work with because the Capital Studio, the Radio X Studio, all those studios in Leicester Square and the global facilities are so modern. Have you seen pictures of them? I've seen some of them. They look almost... They, I remember one photo. It was had quite a wide field of view. It was almost, been, it, it almost like a fisheye. It looked quite futuristic. Like something out of a Blade Runner film. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. And that's that's part of the appeal. It's like, is that what radio now is? Cool, futuristic. I don't quite agree with that. For me, so long as the content is good, as long as you're getting decent audio out there, Whatever the studio looks like doesn't matter. Mm. And I just don't think that someone's going to look at, oh, man, that, that radio station's got a really cool studio. I'm going to listen to their show. It's more their content. Yes, looking good can impress people. Like, we've seen, you know, a lot of, like, the, the big brands in the world, like Nike, other clothing brands, they have slick designs. Look at Apple products. 
the adverts, they're slick, they're clean, they're almost like impeccable. And that gives off an image of professionalism. And I guess that you would assume that if their studio looks really good, their content's going to look good. James Cridland is a radio futurologist. A futurologist is a social scientist who attempts to systematically explore predictions and possibilities about the future and how they can emerge from the present. Thanks, Google. Uh, So James seems to me a great person to ask about what radio is and where it is going. He starts by telling me how he defines radio. There are some people who believe that radio is just something which is broadcast on FM or DAB in the UK um, and uh, and the internet doesn't really count. I'm not entirely convinced about that. I think that radio is uh, a shared experience with a human connection. That's what radio is in terms of audio. And that can be broadcast on FM, it can be on DAB, it can be live, it can be on demand. Don't really care But great audio, great storytelling, that's what great radio is all about. Um, And so radio is on a variety of different platforms now. And I suspect what we're going to see in the future is we're going to see the amount of platforms that radio uh, is on will continue to increase. So um, currently we're listening to about 10% of um, live radio on the internet. I would guess that that's going to increase. We're listening to a fair amount of radio, sort of 36% or so on DAB. That will probably increase as well. I think that uh, most people agree that uh, the days of AM radio, uh, certainly the glory days of AM radio are behind us in most European countries. You know, So we'll, we'll certainly see a little bit of change uh, there as well. But I also think that actually, you know, change um, will be uh, slow and probably much slower than we think it's going to be, because that's certainly what we've seen over the last 50, 60 years, is that actually, you know, radio has been very good at reinventing itself. It's been very good at getting people tuning into it. And uh, certainly when you consider that, you know, we, we started streaming live radio on the Internet about 20 years ago. We're at 9.3% now in the UK, and it's um, about that in the US as well. Mm. That's not a lot, and that's 20 years. So you can see that you know radio uh, is a very habitual thing, and we typically wake up to a an FM or a DAB radio by our, our bedside, or we, we use one in the car. Um, and really, it's, it's going to be a big, big change to change the majority of radio listening. So radio will obviously change, but probably not as fast as anybody thinks. What, what about the role of smart speakers? You're seeing um, in, in radio circles, smart speakers being talked about a lot at the moment in terms of a platform for, for future listening that's going to be big. Uh, what, what do you see being the future for smart speakers? Is there a big future for those? Yeah, I think that smart speakers are very, uh, very, very interesting. Um, and uh, funnily enough, I just went to um, grab some uh, data off um, off a company called Libsyn, which produces podcasts. Uh, podcasts are not doing very well on uh, smart speakers, but radio they do appear to be working pretty well for that. And I, I think that that's something to do with radio, uh, live radio at least, existing quite nicely on a device with a speaker. So if you think about how we consume radio, typically we are consuming it in the kitchen, in the office, in the car. Um, we, we don't really consume it on headphones and we don't normally consume it on things that aren't speakers. 
Um, and actually, a smart speaker is brilliant. You just walk up to the smart speaker and you ask it to tune into a radio station, and it does. So I think that uh, a smart speaker is a good replacement, if you like, for an old-fashioned broadcast radio. And I think that uh, particularly for live radio, it has a really good serves a really good uh, purpose there. The difficulty with on-demand is, of course, that you need to start asking it for individual programs and individual podcasts that you want to have a listen to. And maybe that's one of the reasons why it's not doing so well in the podcast field. There's obviously some similarities between audio that you hear on, on the radio and audio that is consumed as, as podcasts. Are, are podcasts going to take over uh, elements of, of, of radio? Are, are podcasts going to get bigger in terms of of listeners and and people that that interact with those yeah so i mean i'm 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 sure that podcasts are going to get bigger the amount of money which is being pushed into podcasting is really very high um so in the u.s spotify has literally just signed amy schumer who's apparently a very funny comedian uh in the u.s for one million dollars to produce a podcast um you know that is serious money now being invested into into podcasts having said that you know if you look at our total share of what we stick into our ears in the uk 75 percent of that is to live radio and just three percent of that is to podcasts uh, and a further 1%, by the way, to things like iPlayer. So it really, you know, podcasting has a long way to go before it gets anywhere near as big or as popular as live live radio is. But, you know, clearly podcasting is something which, um, you know, allows a lot of uh, people to to get in front of people's ears, if you see what I mean. You know, it's, it's a really interesting model in that uh, everything, you, you know, there's a completely flat playing field here. Anyone can get into the Apple iTunes um, lists, whether or not you're, you know, the BBC or NRK or the New York Times, or you're just somebody doing a podcast out of your spare room. And I think that's really exciting for where the future of radio is going because obviously radio includes podcasting where the future of radio is going is is um you know more differing voices on the air and online and i think that podcasts are most definitely a part of that when i try and explain podcasts to maybe members of my family that aren't really up to speed with these things i, I, I sometimes describe it as sort of netflix of radio uh, is that do you think that makes sense is that a, some something that would is is a direct comparison yeah i i i i think um explaining what a podcast is is obviously a an interesting uh, an interesting conversation um the best explanation that i have seen um is from ira glass when they were launching serial as a podcast and ira glass got a um, an 80 year old to come and explain what a podcast was now if you're talking to an 80 year old they won't know what netflix is they won't know what a sky plus box is um, but what they will know is go to a website and press a play button. Mm. And that's exactly how she explained it. Mary was her name. And she explained it by just saying, you go to the website, you look for the play button, and then you press it. And then you can have a listen. And if you really like podcasts, then of course you can get apps which will automatically do that for you and download all the podcasts and blah, blah, blah. But let's not confuse people. You know, Let's start with the really simple thing of you search for the podcast and you press the play button. 
you know, I think that's a great start for how we explain this. There was some research that uh, recently came out in the US um, where they were asking radio listeners what podcasts they listened to and if they didn't listen, why didn't they listen? Well, 21% of the people who didn't listen said that they didn't understand how podcasts worked. But 64% of people who uh, didn't listen to a podcast said that they didn't really understand why they should be having a listen in the first place. Um, and I think we need to get the content right. And we need to to explain the great content which is available on podcasts and actually pique people's interest that way rather than start talking to them about the difference between podcast addict and pocket casts. So I read something you wrote recently, James. Um, that you was... will never get that time back. I can only apologise. <laughs> but you described you described live radio as lazy radio. Um, is that is that something you could quickly try and sum up to the listeners? <laughs> yes, I can. Um, sort of vaguely, vaguely sum up. Um, do you know, I wrote that live radio is lazy radio and some German people were so upset about it that they've invited me over to um, to go and uh, speak in uh, Nuremberg uh, in in a couple of uh, in a couple of weeks time um, so that I can actually um, uh, explain myself mm. um, because I've been basically saying that, you know, um, when you look at great television, um, when you listen to a great podcast, then they are really beautifully polished things. They are um, pieces of audio or pieces of programming that have been taken, um, have been edited and edited down and made absolutely perfect. Mm. What we've done in radio is that traditionally radio has always been live. And traditionally, radio has been live because, frankly, it's cheaper for us to produce live radio than it is produce, uh, to produce um, uh, produced radio, radio where you've actually spent a bit of time you know, on it. If you look at the comparative staffing levels in between the New York Times Daily's podcast, which is about 20 minutes long, and the Today program, they're much the same, but the New York Times' Daily is clearly a much more... Uh, carefully edited, more highly produced product. Mm. And I think that as we as we move on, I suspect that people will become used to a much more glossy, polished sound from the podcasts that they really like. And when they're listening to John Humphreys losing somebody on the on the line because of, of some ISDN problem or other, they'll be wondering, why on earth am I listening to this when I could be listening to stuff that, you know, isn't wasting my time? John Humphreys, um, you know, desperately trying to get another question in before he's out of time. You don't have any of that on podcasting either. So I, I've basically been saying that, you know, live radio, radio which isn't pre-produced, which isn't, uh, which doesn't sound as good as it possibly could, is much more lazy than it really should be. And I think we should probably focus a little bit more on, on making great sounding radio. If we do that, of course then we're actually making radio in a very different way. And that means that we can take those great pieces of radio and use them better online. We can also use them better on the air. Because if you think about it, you know, you've got the world's most uh, listened to radio station is BBC Radio 2. Mm. And it's it's a great radio station, if you, if you like that sort of thing. Um, but typically, a listener will listen to that radio station for under two hours a day. 
So if you consider that for the very best listeners, Radio 2, 22 hours of that is completely wasted because people are only listening to about two hours a day. So wouldn't it be brilliant if instead of filling that airtime 24 hours a day, you could actually focus on the two hours that people are actually having a listen to it. Of course, you can't do that with broadcast radio, but you can certainly do that with on-demand stuff. And so it occurs to me that there's a whole different way of making radio in the future. Once we've got more on-demand access, once uh, more radio is being delivered over over the internet we can actually produce stuff which is more personalized more of the moment which is still nearly live um, and some of it might be live but actually it'll sound much more produced and much more well well made and i think that's a good thing for all of us james how can people follow you or or, or listen to you if they want to hear more of your your musings and then find out more about what what you have to say as a radio futurologist <laughs> well i would probably recommend my uh, weekly newsletter um which you can get for free it's james.crid.land that's the website address that you can go to james.crid.land uh, and there's also a daily podcast news um newsletter which i also put together and that's at podnews.net and we always ask our guests this what are you listening to at the moment um i listen to a fair amount of talk radio here in australia so there's somebody who's on at breakfast time uh for the uk uh at uh, my local um, my local uh, abc station abc radio brisbane called um steve austin who does the the afternoon uh, show here he is a really good journalist um and if you want to listen to some really good interview techniques then uh, Steve Austin is the man to have a listen to. Um, uh, I would, uh, I would say. Um, so that's at ABC Radio Brisbane, and also uh, uh, Alan Jones, who does the um, the the breakfast show for Two uh, GB, which is the big talk station in uh, Sydney, is well worth a listen as well. He's, um, I couldn't disagree more with uh, his uh, politics but nevertheless you know he is very good at doing what he does also i listen i'm, I'm listening to of course a bunch of um podcasts let me recommend three to you okay. uh first death in ice valley which is a true crime podcast from the bbc and the nrk in norway it's lovely it's really beautifully recorded and researched and everything else and i'm really enjoying it ed Miliband, who used to be the the labor leader um he has a podcast with uh, jeff lloyd who uh, used to be on absolute radio and before that virgin radio it's a podcast called reasons to be cheerful and i like it because it's very good at getting interesting ideas into your head lots of interesting ideas about everything from you know basic minimum wages to housing and public transport and the third one i'd recommend is uh, hamish and andy um they used to be really big australian radio presenters they've left radio mm. they're now only available on a podcast but it's a great show that they put together interestingly a very interactive podcast which you you kind of don't necessarily think of those two things going hand in hand but it really works lots of guests and games and all kinds of stuff so um but there's you know a bunch of great stuff uh, out there and those are just some of my favorites James Cridlin there, making some interesting points and observations. At the start of our conversation, he was stressing how change in radio will probably be slow, pointing out how live online streaming started 20 years ago, but now less than 10% of radio listening is done online, so it's not grown massive, massively. Was there anything James said that stood out for you, Jack? Well, there's a few things, but the biggest was right at the end when he said that Let's say people only listen to two hours of radio a day and the other 22 hours is wasted. Mm. I have to be quite passionately against that because I think that 
with radio, it's very personal. You know that. It's very intimate. It's you, you listen. As I said, like when I listen to Steve Wright, he's like he's my mate. He's in the room with me. But because I listen to Steve Wright, that's not to say that you know Simon Mayo is on afterwards is, is wasted mm. because everyone listens to their favourite host. And that's why then the beauty of radio is it caters to so many people with different tastes. Ken Bruce appeals to certain people. Jeremy Vine appeals to certain people. Um, Radio 1 appeals to an audience. Radio 1 Extra does. So to say that just because you don't listen to that particular show or station means it's wasted, I think it's a bit... Well, it's been genuous, possibly. But, well, but isn't is the point he's trying to make not that he would suggest that if you listen to say a ra- an hour of radio on the way into to work and a, an hour of radio on the way home, uh, and and it could be both hours with Steve Wright in, in in your example, would that not be better than having to endure some presenters you, you didn't enjoy so much? You can't please everybody, and you can't cater just one type of audience, especially radio station as big as Radio Two. Mm. No, I think that. All radio shows have a place, and they all belong somewhere, and they all, to say they're wasted, I think, as I said earlier, it's been genuous. Well, and, and as radio scholars, of course, we take an interest in it all, uh, and, and try and, and, and I guess, analyse what we like and why we don't like certain things. It's interesting. Something that James mentioned was that people consume radio on speakers and podcasts on headphones. Uh, that's one way he tries to break it up, which I thought was interesting and a perspective I hadn't really considered. I actually listen to uh, podcasts on speakers, so maybe I'm bucking that trend slightly. Um, and, and sometimes radio on headphones, for that matter. Yeah, yeah for me, like when I listen to the radio, I never listen to radio on the bus. Whenever I listen on the bus, when I, wear, I always have headphones in. I'm always listening to music. But it's usually when I'm at home that I never listen to music. I listen to radio. So for example, I bake a lot of cakes, and I always listen to music. When I listen to music, I always turn the radio on. So, it's, so for me, I can sort of see his points. Like if I let, if I had to listen to a podcast, I'd probably do it on headphones. He he talks as well about the serious money invested in podcasts, uh, and uh, without going into specifics about how much, considering that that podcasts are taking about eleven percent of 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 people. Um, listening to them so so that's one in ten basically people listening to podcasts is it really worth the serious investment is it an investment into the future of, of audio do you think I would say it would be because it's like the listeners of podcasts is growing it's growing slowly and as long as the investment isn't too much like crazy amount as long as it's in proportion to the listeners and the focus is still put on radio with the other 89% who are listening to that's where they go it's a worthy investment and again it it caters to an audience who listen to it and like it. And I can't imagine podcasts are that expensive. It's essentially just a bunch of people just talking and it's similar to radio. So it's not as if you've got to invest in crazy amounts of technology or, or equipment. So I think I'd say it's worth, worth it. The University of Bedfordshire, where this very podcast is recorded, has been a leader in radio studies for over 20 years, largely thanks to my colleague, Dr Janie Gordon, who is, this summer, sadly retiring from teaching. Thankfully, she is still going to be active with her research for radio. Her latest article, The Smartphone Generation of Community Radio Listeners, Is FM Sustainable?, tackles the question of what radio now is, and she started by attempting her own definitive answer. I no longer think that radio can be defined by its transmission system. So the idea of saying that radio is a freely radiating signal, I think is no longer true. I think it is much more about content and 
where that content reaches us is, is not as important. It's also about a set of skills which the broadcaster, the radio professional, will use to construct the audio. And it's also about some expectations that the listener will have in terms of its quality. I think that radio will have a certain ethical standard and it will have certain cultural standards. For example, we do not expect to hear strong and offensive language on radio. And I think that we would not expect or a listener would not expect to hear strong and offensive language on a podcast from a broadcasting organisation or on a stream service or on an internet station any more than they would on a national freely radiating FM signal. I think that's quite crucial. I think also it radio academics will tend to, or I know a number of them will say, podcasts are not radio. Well, I think podcasts actually use all the skills that we have been using in radio and it's been adopted. And I think often broadcasters, national broadcasters and indeed local or community broadcasters use podcasts to give a longer form or a more detailed form of something which has already been broadcast and I think that's fine. The other area which people disagree on is whether music streaming or music streaming service such as Spotify uh, is, is radio. And I think us oldies might say, oh, no, 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 Spotify can't be radio. But in fact, actually, our students, for example, at the University of Bedfordshire regard Spotify as radio. So then we go back to the point, well, is radio some form of curated audio put together using a set of skills which broadcasters, radio broadcasters have used for many years? In which case, I think that Spotify actually has a number of those attributes. The curator, the human being actually selecting the content is in fact the listener. Does that devalue it? Does it make it any the less radio? The other interesting thing that one might consider is the fact that the listeners to a streaming audio streaming music service, they actually share the advertising very frequently, unless they've taken out a subscription, in which case they're just getting their own curated music. But if they have not taken out a subscription, and many, many young listeners have not, then they're going to share the advertising, oddly. I wish that uh, radio advertising was better. There's some, it could be more imaginative, but there you go. You mentioned that you would expect as a listener, as a listener expectation, not to have strong or offensive language. But then obviously there are some podcasts, for example, that, that do. And that's, I guess, one of their unique selling points that they can. Do we think that that makes it as a result, less radio-y, that those podcasts are less radio-y than, than maybe more polished, less bad language ones. Yes, I, I think you're probably right. I think that there are podcasts designed for very target audiences who are quite happy to take a different cultural norm. And that cultural norm might include language which... I, as, a, as an older person, would, would not necessarily particularly want to have in my car with me, if you like, when I'm listening. So, yes, I, th I think there certainly uh, are podcasts which are going to have different cultural norms, be targeting a different audience. Are they less radio? Well, I suppose under my criteria, yes, they probably are. They're more a chat between a largish group of friends or a particular community who find that acceptable. 
you're on just difficult ground here because bad language is one thing. But supposing, for example, there was a podcast that was actually advocating racist behaviour mm. or homophobic behaviour or, or, or abusive behaviour, uh, let alone maybe simply illegal or terrorist actions or something, I think that podcast would quickly find that it was being removed from sites um, on the internet, for example. This year, you've written an article titled uh, The Smartphone Generation of Community Radio Listeners is FM sustainable? I, I want to focus on that question at the end. Is is FM sustainable? What did you conclude? Well, as I was writing the article, the BBC came out and said, yes, they were going to keep FM going. So for the moment, FM is going to be retained, if not sustained forever, but it's certainly going to be retained by the national broadcasters for the moment, for the foreseeable future. I think there's going to be, um, there are going to be systems which use a variety of uh, broadcast um, mechanisms, uh, these hybrid systems, who, which will actually switch between DAB, FM, internet, depending on which is the strongest signal. And, and they are being developed and they are, some of them are actually in use now. I think it's always worth watching high-end cars because high-end cars are where radio technology tends to uh, tends to pilot, if you like. So start looking at what Mercedes is doing in terms of its radio listening capabilities and, you, and you'll start to see what's going to be filtering down to community stations around the land. But yes, it, I think FM for the moment is going to be retained. I don't think it's going to be sustained forevermore. But um, it's certainly going to be there for the foreseeable future, yes. You've been lecturing in radio for, for more than 20 years now. And one thing synonymous with you here at the University of Bedfordshire <laughs> is the presence of a broadcasting radio station uh, linked to radio studies, if you like. Initially Luton FM, now Radio Lab. I guess the question I want to ask is your opinion on if live radio is, is still a sexy thing. Oh, I think so, yes. I think people enjoy the companionship of radio, whether you're in your car or in your kitchen cooking dinner or, or, or just doing a job where you require your hands and your focus on something else. So radio is the secondary activity to what you're doing. But it's not simply listening to music, which is fine. I mean, I don't mind listening to music, but actually listening to some other people who you know are there. I mean, yes, listening to interesting podcasts or listen again or indeed recorded programmes, fine, absolutely. But there's something, especially, for example, The Breakfast Show, where you're driving. This morning I was driving here and, and, and my companions were in the studio and they were talking about things that were happening today. They were talking about the football. They were talking about the uh, reviewing the sport previewing reviewing what was going on um they were talking about they had they had to call us up from the united states i mean they were singers it was lightweight material it wasn't anything terribly serious but there was something very companionable uh, very enjoyable about listening to live radio mm. um and so I think live radio ha has a future. There's going to be variations. I, I think that it's what going to be one of those things that, that it will be joined by things like podcasts and hopefully 
good podcast because I think good podcasts, really good documentaries or discussions, I think have a real place in in this in this landscape of of audio and radio. But I think there's going to be a place for live radio. And and I, th- I think the other thing, as far as the students are concerned, is frankly, it's just so much fun to make. What are you listening to at the moment? Are there presenters or a certain station or programmes? Well, at the moment, I was very interested to hear what was going to happen to the Radio 2 drive time. I really liked Simon Mayo's programme when he was by himself and then the BBC quite rightly realised that they needed to use women a bit more and they put Joe Wiley with Simon Mayo on the drive time slot on Radio 2 which is a major slot I mean I don't know what their audience is off the top of my head but it's a big one to begin with I was thinking they sound a bit awkward they how are they going to how are they going to manage this is there going to be a main presenter with a a sidekick but in fact actually they're both too good for that and actually I think the program works and I'm really enjoying it and I like the fact that Joe Wiley doesn't sound like a bimbo which is always a bit of a worry Mm. not for Joe Wiley but when you have a female presenter on with a male presenter Mm. female presenter gets the bimbo role she doesn't she doesn't sound like that at all she sounds very good she's a very good presenter she asks the questions that i would ask if i was there which is is the classic classic thing she has i love her music choices and i love the way she introduces music but simon mayo still has that that gravitas that he brought to his previous uh, drive time show if you can have gravitas on a drive time show but you know it, it's it's still there so yeah i'm listening to that and i enjoy it jack janie taught you in radio this last academic year what did you learn from her and and what did you pick up from her thoughts on what radio is now one of the big things i learned from her is the sort of ethical and cultural standing of radio hmm. that separates it from the likes you know of youtube or twitch and she made she made the point in there and that's what separates you know good radio from just someone talking on a video or streaming something sure. because i think with radio i know good analogy it's like if you had a newspaper article and someone writing a blog the newspaper article has to abide by certain guidelines has to you know can't say certain things has to be remain within the law whereas a blog has a they can also whatever they want because there's a lot there's not much regulation there and that's what radio is when i listen to a radio show i trust it i trust that they're not going to you know, say anything offensive, they're not going to just go sl- sl- start slagging someone off, you know, defamation. I trust it's going to be good and it's going to be respectable almost. Whereas when you watch a YouTube video, you're always thinking, okay, there's maybe some dodgy content here, mm. what's going to happen? Mm. And that's the difference between like radio and just someone talking into a microphone. Yeah, interesting. Uh, she she also talks about um, radio still having a place when I asked if live radio was still sexy. I, mean, I guess in... in contrast to what James was saying in, in the earlier interview about the live radio being lazy. So what what are your views? Is live radio is live radio still cool or, or is live radio um maybe not quite as with it as some of those polished podcasts and pre records? Well, I think live radio has a charm to it. It as I said, you know, that's why I like about Steve Wright, because mm. it's they're not like they didn't sit around the room and like edit it to think all the best jokes. It's live, it's in the moment. And I think that's where you get, for example, on my drive time show, the amount of sort of cheesy segues I do that come just from being live and spontaneous in the moment. And that's where live radio has its place. Yes, pre-recorded shows are more edited, they're more finely polished, and you can sort of 
really refine it to be the best it could possibly be. But at the same time, like with live TV, there's a certain... I don't know, it's it has a sort of place, I think, that things can go on, and mm. usually does with live radio and live TV, but that's sort of the challenge and the fun of it. And sometimes you can appreciate it more because it's live. When you watch you know, the, BBC, the BBC do elections and it's live, you think, wow, the amount of preparation that goes into this is crazy. And I think that's where you can appreciate more. good example is um, with Formula One, when Martin Brundle does his grid walk. Mm. Anyone knows, I'm doing lots of Formula One analogies here. We're going to turn half the listeners off. <laughs> but when they watch it, it's crazy, it's chaotic, it's not planned, it's spontaneous. Because it's not planned, you can sometimes get some honest reactions. Mm. And that's why I think live radio has a place. One other thing Janie talked about was how she talks to some students and they think that Spotify uh, is kind of radio to them, uh, especially when they're curating the uh, playlists and things like that. And, and that's that's an interesting perspective. And, and maybe I'm too old, but I, I would never consider something like Spotify as, as a radio uh, option. What, what about you, Jack? Well, well I, listen, I never listen to Spotify, I listen to a lot of Apple Music. Yeah. Um, so I listen to a lot of that, and, but I wouldn't call that radio at all because that's just listening to and that's the equivalent of doing a radio show just pressing play after each song mm. that's not radio radio has to be there has to be a person behind it talking you know maybe sharing their experiences their day their thoughts that's what makes radio because you listen to a radio show not just for the music but for the host as i said earlier with steve Vai, i listen to the show just because of his choice of music yes i like the choice of music but I listen because of him because i want to hear his banter, his thoughts when he has banter with Silly Boy Tim Smith, for example. That's the sort of I listen to. And if I just listen to an album or a playlist, I don't get that. If anyone wants to contact us here at Fantastic Noise, let's make this podcast as interactive as possible. Do get in touch. I have received some lovely messages and feedback. Uh, Here are a few mentions. Brian says, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast. It's encouraged me to download everyone else and Business Wars to give them a go. Uh, We had Eva as a guest on a previous episode uh, talking about everyone else. Uh, Seeing as you're a Crystal Palace fan, have you seen that they have released a new podcast? I haven't. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw this message. I thought, I must check it out. I haven't yet. But uh, see, even the football teams now, Jack, are releasing their own podcasts. Um, Tom has given me some lovely feedback on what he wants to hear on future episodes of the podcast, as has Ant. Thank you so much for that. And a big hello to Nelly Heiss in Germany, Luke in Luton, Jane in Bedfordshire, Dom in Northeast Somerset, and Rebecca in Austin, Texas, uh, via Twitter. Twitter is great for opening those lines of communication. It's been brilliant getting those bits of feedback. If you want to get in touch, be it with stories, suggestions for future podcasts, a feedback, or something else, here are the contact details. Contact us. Email. Fantasticnoise at beds.ac.uk. Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash a fantastic noise. Instagram and Twitter. At a fantastic noise. Fantastic noise. Fantastic noise. It is said that a doctor works in the one profession that works unceasingly to try to annihilate itself. But is that true of all doctors? It's time for Dr. Laurie Hallett's radio surgery. I'm Dr. Laurie Hallett, Senior Lecturer in Radio and Journalism at the University of Bedfordshire. If you're studying radio at the university, but you want more hands-on experience, why not get involved in community radio? During term time, that might be at Radiolab, the university's own community radio station. But out of term time, there might be a community radio station where you live. Search for the Community Media Association online to find out if there's a station near you. 
Getting involved in a community radio station can give you real, hands-on experience. That's Dr Laurie Hallett giving a shout to the Community Media Association there, an organisation I'm very much involved in and who are busy representing UK community radio nationally. I'm also hoping to record an episode of Fantastic Noise in September from the Community Media Association conference in Sheffield. More about that nearer the time. Jack, before we go, it is time for our regular radio jargon busting. Radio folk love to overcomplicate things by coming up with fancy terminology. Let's break down those walls. It's time for the Radio Word of the Week. Radio Word of the Week. Fantastic noise! A podcast about making radio. This time it's OB, an abbreviation for outside broadcast, when a radio station presents its programmes from somewhere other than its normal studio base. It might be an entire broadcast, it might be a significant part of a programme, but if you hear about OB trucks or running OBs, you now know what it's all about. Jack, you were involved in some OBs in this last year at Radiolab. What were the main challenges? Well, the first one when we did the um, blood donation special, the OB kit completely broke on us. <laughs> yeah. So that was a challenge. We had to reschedule the entire show that morning. The other time, the big time I used it was during the election nights, the um, Shunyun election. And that was pretty interesting. I mean, you, you were in the booth, you were like a DJ, it's on its decks, <laughs> and we were sort of there. That one went, went quite smoothly. The issue was, is when you've got the headphones on, mm. you hear like a delay, or you hear yourself talk as well. And I don't know if our listeners know, but talking and hearing yourself talk like a second after is so distracting. I know it's hard to keep track because you listen to yourself talk and it just, it confuses you. But from my experience, the OB kit has been, it's pretty simple. I thought it'd be way more complicated. I think the hardest part is when you're on location, it's a lot harder to do a radio show, I find, because you're not in the studio, you're out in a different environment, there's so many more challenges that you've got to face and things that could go on. But the actual equipment, I've always found pretty pretty simple. Did you, um, before before you did the Radio Lab Manager job, did you know what OB meant? No, I always imagined it was some sort of, it was the name of the brand or something, yeah. it was just a... The shortened version. This is this is why this is why it needs explaining. It does. We certainly need it. That is it for this episode of Fantastic Noise. Thanks so much for joining us. There will be another episode next week. Do follow us on social media at a Fantastic Noise for updates and previews. Thanks to our guests today, Matt Deverson, James Cridland, and Dr. Janie Gordon, and a special thanks to my co-host Jack Wilson. Happy to be here. Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin. Stu with a double O. Our announcements were from Freya McCann and our theme music is by Liam Ayton. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team and recorded in the studios of Radiolab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise. <laughs>